there. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At Bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there. Just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast or even watch it on YouTube. I would love to hear what you think. I would love to get any suggestions and understand what kind of content you're looking forward to hearing more about. So please rate, please comment, please subscribe. And if you leave a review for the podcast, you'll get a freebie for efficient goal setting. So make sure to do that. Welcome to the podcast, She is Fab, where we discuss all things fab, women empowerment, and life coaching. My name is Evelyn, also known as the Fab Chief Desk, and I am a mindset transformation coach. Welcome to another episode of the She is Fab podcast. My name is Evelyn, your host, mindset transformation coach. And today I have the pleasure of speaking to Destiny Kinsey. Destiny is a licensed clinical social worker serving both the states of Texas and Louisiana. She also provides online therapy services to those interested in individual therapy. She has a passion for helping others help themselves and ultimately live the life that they want to live. Welcome, Destiny. So hi, Evelyn. So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm Destiny um, and I am a licensed clinical social worker and um, my job right now, currently, I work full time in a school providing uh, individual and group therapy and crisis services to students um, at a middle school. Uh, and in my part time, I do online therapy and I'm in the process of starting my own private practice doing 100 percent online therapy. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, and I'm just here today to speak with you regarding some of the topics that we talked about. Great. I am so happy to have you. Obviously, you have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, therapy. So I have to ask, right, you're working in one capacity right now, and you've been doing online therapy, but now you're trying to launch your own practice. What inspired that move for you? Ah, so much. So there's so much that inspired that for me. So um, I would say that doing the online therapy, um, that I do now, sorry, no motion was going on in the house. So, <laughs> uh, but I would say just doing the, um, online therapy that I do now, um, has shown me that. I have a passion for working with a certain population when it comes to therapy. Um, I really like working with adults ages, you know, 18 plus. Um, so with that, um, you know, being able to 
work with the adults, I've learned that that's really more so my passion. Um, and I like that. I like to be able to help others. I like to be able to work with um, adults. And so that is what really launched, you know, my wanting to do my own private practice. Um, also, the freedom and flexibility that comes with that, um, that, you know, you may not get otherwise. Um, that also is, you know, something that has prompted that for me. Um, and having my daughter especially was something that made me think about that because I know that I want to eventually branch off into self-employment full time, eventually, not sure when, but, um, you know, I wanted to start out doing that so that I could have more time with her. Um, so what prompted me to want to do my own online, own online therapy practice is that, um, I had been doing the online therapy for a couple of months, um, you know, under other companies. And I do that currently. And, uh, I found that I have a population that I enjoy working with. Um, I really enjoy working with women and ages 18 plus. And so, um, for me, that is really where my passion lies. And with private practice, you know, having the ability to see my ideal client, to be able to work with them and work in my specialty, um, is something that I'm really excited about. Um, also the freedom and flexibility that comes with being able to, to own your own practice. Um, and after I had my daughter, um, that really, you know, it spoke to a lot of other stuff in me because I started to become interested in like postpartum issues and um, things like that. And that, you know, branched open a whole new area of therapy for me that I'm interested in. So I want to incorporate that into my practice as well. Um, so, yeah, that is what prompted me to want to own my own online therapy practice. So I have to take it back a little bit. Did you always know you wanted to go into uh, providing therapy? Did I always know I wanted to do therapy? No. <laughs> um, so when I first uh, started social work um, in, in my major social work, like undergrad, um, my idea was to really work in either a shelter, like I really want to work in a homeless shelter or um, work in a domestic violence shelter. Um, and then I realized that their social work is just so broad. There was so many things like I never even thought I would be doing therapy at all, even school based therapy that I do now. Um, I never thought that I was going to be doing it. I always had different ideas. But once I did my internship in a school, I fell in love with working in a school, fell in love with working with the students. And so um, I got hired by the place that I did my internship, uh, the school district that I did my internship with. And so it's been school social work for me ever since. That's a great um, my cousin is actually a social worker. She's a family uh, therapist. So I'm always uh, curious as to what leads folk down the path to the career that they're in or the career that they're transitioning to. Now, are there any challenges that you face uh, when working me, with your clients? Because um, obviously with therapy, you know, there can be so many things that you deal with, not just with your interaction with the client, but also how they engage with you. So challenges, sometimes people um, feel like they're ready for therapy, but they, they're not there yet. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of people don't understand that therapy is a big commitment. Um, you know, it is, some people look at it like, oh, it's only an hour out of my week and, and, you know, that's fine. And that's, that's it. But therapy is so much more than just the time that you actually spend with your therapist. It's the, the homework that you're doing outside of your sessions or applying that, the things that you learn in your sessions to your daily life, because that's what actually makes it work. Um, and so if you're only doing therapy for that hour that you're in your session or that 45 minutes that you're in your session, um, and you're not applying it to your daily life, uh, then it's not going to be effective. And so I think that's a challenge that I've been met with sometimes is that people feel like they're ready for therapy, but they're not quite ready to implement everything they're learning into their lives. And that's normal. You know, it takes time to be able to do that. Um, another challenge I think that I face sometimes with therapy is um, sometimes people don't really want to change the way that they're doing things. Um, you know, they come to therapy and they want to understand why they're doing things, um, but then they don't really want to change it uh, right then. And so sometimes it can be a struggle for us to get past that, like to get past the way that people are used to doing things and trying to do it in new ways. Um, and so I would say those are my main two challenges that I've seen with providing therapy. Gotcha. 
<laughs> All right, and we're back. <laughs> okay, so um, you were asking me what prompted me to start my own uh, online therapy practice. And uh, I fell in love with the idea of working with my ideal population, which is women ages 18 plus. Um, whenever I started doing online therapy for uh, the company that I work under now, um, I love working with adults and children. And so with my full time job, I do get to work with kids and then um, doing my online therapy practice part time. I would get to work with uh, women 18 plus and work with women on transitional issues, you know, life changes, um, job changes, career related stressors, family related stressors, um, things like that. And then the freedom and flexibility that comes with having your own practice um, is something that, you know, I look forward to in the future uh, as my career progresses. And then once I had my daughter, um, I developed an even bigger interest in working with women regarding uh, pregnancy issues and postpartum and things like that. So um, that's a side of social work that I'm interested to start learning more about. And it's something that I want to offer eventually in my practice once I'm more trained in that area. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you want to have uh, a practice that takes on a more holistic view. So instead of tackling just one area of expertise or one issue or transition, you're trying to allow for taking on several factors, which is, is great, right? You can have a one-stop shop essentially for your uh, clients. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, life just, you know, with being a woman, with being a person in general, but being a woman, it just comes with so much. Um, and, and our life transitions are just different. You know, you can go from being a happy go lucky college student to then being a wife and a mom and, you know, all of these different things. And some people don't make that transition as easy as other people do. For some people, it's a flawless, smooth transition. And then for other people, there are some transitional issues that come along with that. I mean, that's just one example, but you know, there's so many different things, you know, starting a new job or moving to a new city or state or um, dealing with self-esteem issues or relationship problems. Um, And so with my practice, that's something that I hope to be able to work with all women on. Mm -hmm. And that's an important point that you made. You know, some folks have an easier time with the transitions. Other folks may, you know, experience challenges or things may come up that they weren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And so individuals like yourself come in and can offer that help, that guidance and help to work through some of those issues. Right. Definitely. And I like the point that you said that things that they're not they weren't aware of Um, a lot of stuff that happens with our childhood um, that we may see is going to come up again in our adulthood. And we don't even realize that that stuff is going on or that a lot of things that we were taught in our childhood were normalized um, and it won't work in your new relationship. It won't work in your new um, stage of the life that you're in. And so you have to learn how to either work with those things and overcome that or, um, you know, be stuck in a, in a part of your transitional phase that, you know, until you're ready to be able to move forward from that. Um, and so with my practice, that's something that I hope to be able to help women with. Yes. And, and that's another good point that you made there, right? We have these things that we carry with us, whether it's past trauma, uh, our environment, our upbringing, the relationships and the people who have influenced, you know, our growth we can carry a lot of the negativity or trauma and not be conscious or aware of what that is until it manifests in some way, shape or form later in life. And so this is something I want to, I want to put out there for those listening or watching on YouTube. You know, I'm a mindset coach, but Kinsey is a licensed clinical social worker. So she actually has more power, so to speak, to address certain issues like trauma, like mental health, right? There's a difference there when it comes to coaches versus a counselor versus a therapist. Yeah, and so... I um, even work alongside in the the program that I provide online therapy for right now. I work alongside a coach. Um, So the the client is given a therapist and a coach. And so I've seen the value of being able to bring both of those together um, and even the value of those separately because I had never worked with a coach until now. Um, and, you know, even when my clients come back and report to me like, hey, my coach taught me these skills. I'm working with my coach on these skills that they've taught me. And I've seen such an improvement in sleep or I've seen an improvement in being able to go out and be around friends or be around people. Um, so being able to bring those two together is, is really beautiful. And I see the benefit that that has for my clients that I work with. I love that you said that because 
it is a great relationship when you have a coach and a therapist working together, right? They each have their individual strengths, but also overlap in what mm-hmm. they're doing when working uh, with a client. Uh, and I'm curious, Destiny, because, you know, I've talked about this with other folks and even me as a coach, I also have, you know, my own therapist and my own coach to help me, you know, live a better life. What about you? Do you work with a therapist or a coach? Um, in my personal life, yes. So I have a therapist. Um, I don't have a coach. And like I said, before I started this, um, working with this online therapy program, I had never, I'd heard of coaching, but I'd never interacted with a coach. Um, and so now mm-hmm. I see that the benefits of that, I'm like, I should have had a coach too. <laughs> It'd have been nice if I had one, but no, I have a therapist and, uh, she's great. And, you know, I started working with her after I had my daughter because I was going through a transitional period in my life and was having trouble adjusting to, a lot of new things, you know, I had a baby and moved into a new state and started a new job and all of this within like all of that happened within less than like three months, <laughs> me moving, mm-hmm. having my child, starting my new job, all of that stuff. And so it was really, and we were building a house at the same time. So it was just really overwhelming, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to talk to somebody from just an unjudgmental approach, um, you know, somebody who could give me skills to be able to take back home, to be able to work, you know, like I said, and I don't speak about therapy just as a therapist. You know, now I speak from a client perspective, too, is that you have to do the work that comes along with therapy as well. Um, and so mm-hmm. having a therapist to be able to help me to even organize my life uh, at that time has been great. So, yes, mm-hmm. I work with a therapist. That's good to know. And another point that you made there is that there is work that has to be done right. So folks mm-hmm. think that, you know, a coach or a therapist or psychologist or a counselor is going to uh do the work for you that's not how it works uh we we assess what you have going on and we devise a plan with you to address whatever the issue is right to get you from point a to point b but the actual work has to come from the client you have to actually follow through and put in place the steps and measures to get you past that hurdle right Definitely. The work has to be done. If, like I said, if it's only that you're participating in therapy or your coaching session for you, you know, an hour out of the week, um, and then you don't take any of those skills or, you know, anything that you've learned and apply it throughout the week to your daily life, um, you know, it won't be as beneficial to you. You can take in all that information during your session, but the work has to be applied outside of it. Exactly. So I want to ask you, this is just to educate the the audience out there. What do you advise that individuals look for when they are seeking uh, to work with a therapist? Okay. So yeah, I get this question a lot. um, And I would say just right first of all write down what you want to work on what are, what are you dealing with that makes you even want to seek a therapist because when you have to think about finding a therapist you have to think about who can work with your particular presenting problem um you know as therapists you know as a social worker and then you have you, you have licensed counselors and you have licensed marriage and family therapists so you have you know different um different professions that can provide you therapy. Um, and so a lot of that can be overwhelming to somebody. So I advise people to sit down and like really think about what they actually want. Are you dealing with some trauma from your childhood that you want to process? Well, then you probably want to see a therapist that deals with trauma um, and that they, they may specialize in that. Uh, you want to look for somebody who works with different techniques for trauma, you know, look up some evidence-based practices for trauma. Um, EMDR is one, um, you know, if you have a child and you're looking for a therapist for your child, um, there's trauma-focused cognitive behavioral therapy. So not to even get into just that, but just thinking about like what you really want to work on and then finding a therapist that specializes in that. Um, think mm-hmm. about whether or not you want a male or a female therapist, if that even matters to you. Um, thinking about um, if you want to work with somebody who is uh, telehealth, so online versus somebody that offers in-person counseling sessions. Some people don't do as well. They found with uh, telehealth and they prefer to be able to come into an office. Um, and even though that's really limited right now with COVID, there are some um you know, therapists who are still offering on, in-person uh, sessions. So determining whether or not you want in-person versus online is a big one now that the COVID, um, you know, the COVID pandemic has come. I will also mm-hmm. say, you know, just 
a lot of uh, therapists offer free 15 minute consultations. And um, during those consultations, they'll tell you about themselves. They'll tell you about their area of expertise. They'll tell you about their practice style. And that's time for you to be able to ask questions as well. So it's basically them interviewing you as a client and you interviewing them as your therapist. Um, so, you know, think of questions that you would like to ask your therapist before you even get on the phone. Like what's your practice style? Um, you know, what are some of the techniques that you use in counseling? Um, you know, and asking them session length, um, asking them if they accept your insurance, because some people want to utilize insurance and some people don't. Um, and so mm-hmm. if you want to utilize insurance, being able to find somebody that takes your insurance will be really good. Um, there are a lot of therapists who are self-pay and they don't accept insurance. Um, but you know, they can, they may work on a sliding scale fee, um, or they may do what's called a super bill so they can send that to your insurance to have you reimbursed for part of the money that you've paid. Um, so, I mean, there's so many things to look into, but to narrow it down and make it easy, I would say determine whether or not you want a male or female therapist, if that matters to you. Um, determine what type of therapy you're looking for. If you're looking for something for your marriage, if you're looking for something for yourself, um, and then find a practitioner who specializes in those things. Narrow down your list um, and schedule you some consultations if they're available and then ask those questions whenever you have your consultation. Um, anything that's of importance to you, be sure to ask that. And, uh, you know, and if a therapist, if you run across a therapist and they're not a good fit for you, a lot of times they will make a referral to somebody in their field who they know is a good fit for you. Um, you may call a therapist and ask them about, um, you know, needing couples counseling and they may not offer that at all, but they may have a colleague that they know they can offer that. Um, so, you know, just even asking the therapist, if you find that they're not a good fit for you, if they have a referral option, um, you know, a lot of times therapists will refer you to someone else. Mm-hmm. Those are all great tips and actually pretty standard with how coaches work as well, right? We have the same process. There's a discovery call. There's a bi-directional question and answer to determine if it's a good fit. You talk about, you know, your practice and how you actually go about walking them through what they're looking to work through. So there's, a, again, there's a lot of overlap there with the exception that one individual is able to delve more into trauma and mental health than the other uh, profession. So specifically on what you offer, let's talk about your services because you have, you know, you you have your full-time job and then you have your, uh, I don't want to call it a side hustle, but you have, you know, (laughs) this second job where you're offering (laughs) online therapy. What Mm. specifically are you offering when it comes to third? What is, what is your niche? So I'm offering um, mainly cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and it's based in the CBT. Um, so working to understand your thoughts and your triggers and how that affects your behavior, um, reframing negative thoughts or, um, you know, thoughts that, that may be holding you back and reframing those into more positive, realistic thoughts. Um, and so that's the basis of it. But I also can tailor my approach to the client. So while I am like CBT based, I tailor it to my clients. So if that is not working for them, I'm trying to utilize other approaches and strategies. I'm also solution focused. Um, so if a person comes in and they have a problem and they're like, okay, this is the one problem that I want to work on. Um, and I see that that really is their isolated incident, their isolated problem. Then we work on solution focus. We set goals, we work together. Um, and then it's a shorter term um of therapy sessions. So for me, I work in those modalities, but um, I'm going to be working with, like I said, people who are dealing women who are dealing with transitional mm-hmm. stressors. Um, so, you know, those, like I said, starting a new job, start maybe starting a family, um, graduated from college. So I've seen that, you know, post-grad depression. Um, a lot of people refer to it as post-grad depression. So graduating from college and then trying to find a job out in the workforce or graduating from college, mm-hmm. finding that job in the workforce, moving away from your friends, um, you know, having to be this new kind of adult that you didn't have to be when you were in college. I've seen a lot of that um, adjusting to life, having a professional career while some of your friends are still in college or not having to have that transition yet. Um, so mm-hmm. for me, it'll be just offering services to help people talk about the problems that they're having and then helping them find solutions and skills to be able to, you know, work on their issues that they're presented with. Mm -hmm. And what drove you to uh, work specifically with women? I mean, because I'm sure maybe men have approached you uh, 
to seek therapy. I know men have approached me, but obviously I prefer to work with women because of what I feel I can offer and how I feel I can relate. Mm-hmm. And that's similar to, to why I want to work with women. Um, and, and currently I provide online therapy to men and women. Um, and so I'm able to do both, but it is my preference to work with women because of the reasons that you just stated. I'm able to relate, um, and especially to, you know, even these transitional issues that I'm discussing. So it's easier for me to relate. And I think it's easier for the women to relate to me. Um, and it's my preferred population for that reason. Uh, and I think that it's where my passion lies. So, uh, that's my reason for wanting to take on women for my practice. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of similarities because as a mindset coach, you know, as part of my practice, you you learn about several different methodologies and you get certified in different areas. So CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, as well as REBT, which is rational uh, emotive behavior therapy, uh, are things that I include in, in my coaching as well. Granted, like I said, when it comes to deeper trauma or deeper issues, at that point, it's my job to refer them to a actual therapist or psychologist to help with those deep-seated issues. Uh, On that note though, have you had to refer a client to someone else or stop working with somebody and send them to another professional because of the issues that they're trying to work through? So yes, um, I have had to do that for clients who are seen as I'll say as a, a greater risk, a safety risk. Um, so those who may have had a recent suicidal thoughts or attempts um, may be better served on in-person care as opposed to the online care that I was able to provide at that time. Um, and so I've had to refer out for that. Um, there are some things that I just don't have training in to be able to work with people on that, uh, you know, like general therapy practice is I don't have that for them. And so people who may be dealing with, um, I know that I've had someone come to me with an eating disorder before um, or thoughts of this person having an eating disorder. And they're like, well, I think that, you know, she's having an eating disorder. I'm not really sure and can't help her. And if it is an eating disorder, I can't work with that because I'm not trained in that. Um, And, you know, my, my whole protocol is do no harm. So I don't want to go in and say, oh, well, since I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I have all this clinical knowledge, I should just be able to go right in and work with an eating disorder. That's just not how it works. Um, so mm-hmm. I referred out to somebody who is trained in eating disorders so that they can work with that person. Uh, so if it's so completely, important. yeah, if it's completely out of my scope, I don't work with it. And that's only for the client's benefit. That's not me just saying like, oh, I don't want to do this, but it's for the client's mm-hmm. benefit. I'm so glad that you said that because one of the things that, you know, as coaches, you should be doing therapists, psychologists, what have you, your interest should be that of the client, right? Like you said, do no harm. If you do not have the skill set to help this individual with what they're trying to, to get through, to process what they need to process, it is your responsibility and your duty to refer them to who can help, or if you can't refer them or you don't know someone who could, who you can refer them to, just <clears throat> stipulate that you aren't able to work with them. And these are the reasons why, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's two thoughts of thinking that I've seen in the field. There are folks who are just trying to get clients and they'll take on whoever without having, you know, the proper solution or methods to actually help them. And then mm-hmm. those who live with integrity who are like, no, this is my field of expertise. This is how I can help. We are not a good fit, but here's somebody who can help you with your problem. So I love mm-hmm. that you are actually doing the work and looking out for your client's interest and sending them to where they need to go if you're unable to help yourself. Yeah, definitely. Because I know that what experience I would want to have with the therapist. You know, I don't want to go to a therapist and I tell you, you know, at our consultation call or even at our intake, because some therapists don't do consultation calls. So even if we do our intake together and then, you know, I realize that I'm dealing with these issues, you realize I am. And then you really know that you can't help me, but you still bring me in every week and talk to me and basically waste my time because you don't know how to deal with this issue and I need help with this issue. So I think about if I was the client, like how I would feel um, entering Mm -hmm. into a therapeutic relationship with someone who knows that what I'm dealing with is out of their scope of practice. Exactly. So something else I want to ask, you know, obviously 
you work with various clients, different backgrounds, and they may come to you with different issues. Is there any one area that you enjoy working on or working through more than others? Yes. So I would have to say self-esteem building. So if clients sometimes come and they're having problems with just self-worth, um, self-esteem, and it's causing them to present with depressive symptoms, they may not be depressed, you know, clinically depressed, right? But they may be depressed present with depressed symptoms. And I like to see the growth from the beginning when, you know, clients are, um, you know, unsure of themselves, unsure of their worth, you know, um, I like to see that growth from that to the end where it's like, okay, I know who I am. I know what I want. Um, they're accomplishing goals. They're trying new things. And so that is really like one of my favorite parts of being a social worker and providing therapy is to see that transformation um, from the beginning when a person is unsure of themselves to the end where they're like, oh, no, I can do whatever. I can do anything. And so that's my, you know, that's my why for me. I love to see that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you there. Um, we love to see a client's growth, those aha moments where things just click and just having them express how things have improved or changed in their life uh, based on the help that you were able to provide. Yes, definitely. That's I, I love it. And I just love to see like it's a complete attitude change, you know, um, from the beginning to the end. So it's great to see. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, you mentioned that, you know, your practice is founded or based on CBT, cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy. Uh, a lot of coaches or therapists that I speak to tend to have some sort of methodology or um, maybe an acronym or, or something that they name their work process with how they engage with clients. Do you have something like that? I don't. <laughs> Not me. Um, you know, I just start, I meet the client where they are, you know, wherever you're at at that point, And then we kind of go from there. Um, and mm-hmm. I like to, for the client to help guide their own process as well. And so what I mean by that is, you know, if I like to check in with the client and say, hey, do you feel like what we're doing is helping in any way? Um, do you feel any changes? Do you, and of course, this isn't after the first or even second session. But, you know, when working together, I would say at least four sessions in seeing, OK, are, are, are these things actually working for you? Are you trying any of them? You know, what would you like to see more of in therapy? Is there anything that I'm not touching on that you would like to work on? And so I, I work with the client to kind of guide that. So, no, I don't have any acronyms or anything yet. There may be something that comes up in the future with more practice, but (laughs) uh, right now that's how I pretty much guide my sessions. Yeah. Not that that's required. I was just, I was just curious because I always hear folks like I have this method or, and I have my own method too. So I was just, just curious. Um, You made a good point uh, in your last uh, statements with regards to like how you're working with the client and leading them based on what they're specifically uh, going through. Are there any tool sets that you find yourself using more than others in your therapy sessions? So a lot of times, um, and this is with kids and with adults, um, starting out, like even after intake and usually in like the first session post intake, I, I asked them, you know, with kids, I asked them to draw this, um, with older kids to write it and with adults to write. But like, if you woke up tomorrow and all of your problems were solved, what would that look like? Um, you know, mm-hmm. what would be, what would change? What would be different? Um, would people in your life be different? Would your situation have changed in any way? Like, and that helps you to kind of look into it and say, Oh, okay. I'm identifying like this is an issue for you. It's like uh, if a kid tells me, and it's just an example I'm just throwing out, but like if a kid was to tell me, you know, I'll wake up tomorrow and my mom would feel better. She wouldn't be sick anymore. Okay. Well, then now I know that it's really bothering that child that, that the parent is sick. Um, you know, mm-hmm. or if an adult, I'm working with an adult and they wake up and they say, oh, okay, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll just be 100% debt free. I won't have any debt. Well, I know that that debt is something that's really bothering them and maybe affecting their quality of life. Um, So I use that to just kind of pull some things out. I use it, especially with people who, you know, don't want to reveal a lot of things because even if they are ready Mm. for therapy, sometimes it's hard. If you've never talked to anybody about your problems, I don't know, like a lot of people think that, you know, if you just go sit in front of a therapist, you're supposed to be able to pour it out and it doesn't work like that. Um, Some people have never talked about the things that go on in their lives with anybody. Um, So I use that technique sometimes just to get more information from people about, you know, what they want to work on and what's bothering them. 
Mm -hmm. You brought something up that I was just like, oh, it hit me. Um, the, the thought that going in to see a therapist or even a coach or counselor that you're supposed to immediately just offload, you know, all this information and what you're going through. And it doesn't always work that way. Um, I will say this, especially as a minority Latin woman, we had to go to therapy. Um, when I was younger, I grew up in a very dysfunctional household and that required us to go to therapy to, to bring some sort of peace uh, in the family. And I will tell you that at that age, even though I understood what was going on, I didn't understand why we had to go to therapy. It wasn't something that I thought was useful, you know, in my, in my youth. <laughs> And what I noticed as I've gotten older and, you know, engaged more, you know, sought my own therapy and, you know, even became a coach, I realized that in ethnic groups, in minority ethnic groups, uh, there's a lot of that. People don't uh, seek therapy or they don't think that therapy is helpful. And when they're in it, when they're forced to go to therapy, um, they don't quite know how to deal with it, how to address it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's common. Um, and I get that question a lot, you know, especially with me being black, you know, and people say, well, um, you know, why do black people not want to go to therapy or, you know, why do minorities not want to go to therapy? Um, and it's not even that it's not a don't want to, it's just sometimes there is um, stigma associated with mental health. There's stigma associated with getting help. Even with you talking about going to family therapy, it's great that you, your family was able to even do that because some families are so caught up in the stigma that it presents to like, oh, you're going to family therapy. Like your family is just, it's just so terrible. Like it's just so messed up. Like what could be so wrong that you have to go to therapy? Or we look at it from mm -hmm. like the spiritual or religious standpoint where it's like, oh, you could just pray about it and you don't have to go to therapy because you could just do that. And so for me, what I found when I'm talking to people about it is that if you are religious or spiritual, you know, because I'm a Christian, so it, but I believe in therapy. Um, and so you can have God and a therapist if that's your, you know, if that's what you believe, if you believe in God, you believe in Jesus, you can have those things. You can have both. Um, you could take your problems to God and you could take your problems to a therapist. You know, if it's not within your culture to seek therapy, you know, maybe even looking into yourself and saying, okay, maybe this is not exactly my culture, but is it me? You know, I am a part of this culture, but is it me to want to speak to someone? I want to talk to somebody. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's the other side of the coin, like you say, where people may be forced and not ready to open up when they're actually there in therapy. And for that, it takes a lot of rapport building as a therapist. You have to be able to relate to clients, meet them where they are. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to be able to identify with every single experience that my clients have because I'm not them. However, I can be warm. I can be open. I can be non-judgmental. I can be empathetic um, and present that to them so that they can feel more comfortable sharing things with me. Because uh, like I said, I won't know how to address every single thing that you've ever dealt with. I won't have felt that, but I can help you with those things once we talk about them. Yes. And, and that, that uh, rapport building is, is key. Cause like I said, I went to therapy when I was younger, much younger. And by younger, I mean, I must've been like 11 or 12 at the time. And I recall we had family sessions and then we had individual sessions and family sessions, I feel, went a little bit better because it was all of us. And so there was less pressure, I feel. But then when I found myself alone in my own therapy sessions, I would kind of be more introverted, not want to share as much. And as the sessions continued, as the therapist built more rapport with me, I felt more comfortable in opening up and sharing. So that's important. Definitely. So... Another thing I want to go back to was the feedback. You mentioned, you know, you you seek feedback from your clients, which we all do, right? You want to you wanna ensure that the tools you're providing are working for them. Or if something's not working, you want to hear what that is so you can adjust uh, the tooling. I always tell uh, my clients, you know, even, even at session one, right? It's okay to say, follow up and say, hey, you, we have these action steps for this outcome. How are you feeling so far? Right. It's okay 
to ask that in that first session, or I'm sorry, after the first session is over. But something else that I also expressed with the feedback is that it does take time, right? Sometimes you get mm -hmm. clients that are looking for an immediate result, like after session one, and that's not how it works. It's, it's a buildup of communication, collaboration, and applying the tooling before you can start to see that change. It, it needs to, to build up. It's not an immediate transformation. Right. Have you had clients come to you and say like, oh, like, I thought this was going to work for me from day one. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I start smiling when you start talking about it because I just recently saw a shirt that someone got made and it said, I'm a, cl I'm a clinician, not a magician, though I see why you're confused <laughs> because... <laughs> You know, and it, I mean, it's, it's natural, especially if you've never been to therapy before and you've seen it on TV and you're like, Oh, that worked for them in one session. Like, I know that I don't have problems that bad. I mean, I should be able to get one and done. I'm good. Um, and so it's just really a misconception and, you know, needing to be educated on that. Um, I have had people who feel like, you know, after one session that nothing got accomplished. Um, and I mean, it could even be as simple as the intake and they're like, nothing got accomplished. And I'm like, but this is the information gathering section. So, you know, I think a lot of that can be alleviated by educating from the beginning on what therapy is, what your therapeutic style is. Um, and even like you said, that it takes time to be able to, to build even our therapeutic relationship, right? Much less mm -hmm. for you to start seeing those results of working with your therapist. Um, it's not going to happen right after your first session. And it may take a few before you start to see anything going on. So I do encourage my clients to stick with it, you know, give their feedback, but also, like you said, um, you know, stick with it, go through with it a little bit and see, um, make sure you're fully applying yourself to everything that we've talked about so that you can see some results of that. And then if you feel like, you know, you've been doing all the things that you've been, you know, asked to do, or you collaborated with me to come up with and none of it is working. If you've been seeing me for a month and you just don't see any change or any, you you know, even one small thing or even going further, let's say you've been seeing me for three to four months and there's just absolutely no activity going on there. Then you're like, OK, you know, now I, I'm concerned, you know, about what's going mm -hmm. on. So, um, you know, but people do think that they think after a day, um, some people's issues are so complex that like even after a month, they may not see significant change. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that that's important to discuss from the beginning that everybody's healing path is different. Plus, you're going to have people who went to like who who have friends that went to another therapist and they're like, oh, after session one, like they said they were fine. So why am I not fine right now? Um, and it's like, well, you're not your friend, you know, you're your own individual person. You have your own set of problems that you want to deal with. And, you know, that may not, they may have had something that it was like, a, oh, I just want to consult with a therapist, talk to them, get some advice, you know, whatever that may be. Um, and then they may feel better after one session. Uh, and you have people that come in and they say, they like have that aha moment that you spoke about. And then like, oh, I'm good. I don't need therapy anymore. I got it. And, you know, I discussed with them like, hey, let's try out and see, you know, the results of this, basically this aha moment. Let's see what's going on after that. And like, you know, just follow up. And even if it's maintenance, like going from one session a week to one every two weeks and then kind of tapering off until therapy is over. Um, so, yeah, mm -hmm. I do get people that come in and, and they sometimes like after one session, they're like, I'm not healed. I'm not fixed. Why haven't I been fixed? And, you know, I have to explain mm -hmm. to people, I'm not here to fix you. You know, I'm just here to work with you so that you can have skills and tools for if this ever comes up again in your life, that you're able to handle those things. So, yes, yeah. exactly. Key word there. We are not here to fix you or solve your problems for you. We're no. your accountability, <laughs> right? We hold you accountable to implementing the tools, habits, rituals that are going to help you to get through these hurdles, but the work itself is up to you. Right. Definitely. So I know that everyone, you know, has their own path, their own transition period or timing that would work for them to address certain issues. And that obviously varies by individual. Is there a minimum that you tell your clients uh, that you provide in terms of how many sessions or that you recommend in order to see some sort of result? 
So it just depends. You know, most times I talk to them and say at least 12. Like, let's start out with 12. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that's over the span of a couple of months, you know, once a week for a couple of months. And let's just start out with that. And they may be all they, they may need less than that. They may need more than that. But I say 12 just because kind of that's, you know, a spot where it's like, okay, if we finish early, then, you know, great. And if we go over that just a little bit, then it won't be as much of a surprise. But let's just say 12, you know, to start out with. And the reason I do that is because that gives plenty of time for rapport building. That gives time for us to talk about issues and kind of brainstorm and go through those, working on our goals that we set together because CBT really is, you know, goal focused. Like, let's work on these goals. Let's look at how we're doing with those. It gives us time to track progress on those goals too, because some of the goals that they have, while they may be short term, you know, they may take a little bit longer than, you know, two weeks, you know, to get through. Mm-hmm. So I like to at least start out with 12. And most of the time, a lot of people don't even need more than that, um, that I've worked mm-hmm. with. Uh, and cause they have if, dealing with transitional issues. Sometimes, you know, 12 is like the sweet spot there. Um, but every client is different. So, you know, I tell them that mm-hmm. too. Like while I recommend 12, you may be somebody who finishes up in eight and you may know somebody who's going to finish up in 16 or 20. You know, it, it just depends. Um, so yeah, start with 12. I I agree with you on that. I'm the same. I usually say 12 and then we'll see based on their individual journey, whether it's less 12 or more. Um, you do get folks that come to you though, and they're like, Oh, I just want to have one session and, and kind of see how things go. Mm-hmm. And of course, at that point, I also say, okay, I'm more than happy to, you know, stay with you for one session and, and start to address some of the things that you want to work on. But one session is not enough to even fully develop an action plan or mm-hmm. really work through the various areas that you're trying to, to work on. Right. Do you have clients that come to you and they're like, oh, I just want to try one session and then see how things go? So I haven't had that yet. Um, and I think it's because, it, you know, in intake, I make it clear that, you know, this is my recommendation based on the intake that we've done, you know, and I do let them know, of course, like if you feel like this isn't like I'm not the therapist for you or this isn't working for you, then you should be you know, open and be able to tell me that I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be offended. You know, I want mm-hmm. you to get the most out of your therapeutic process, but I haven't had anybody, I guess, because of that reason. Um, I haven't had anybody that has just been like, Hey, I'm just going to try you out one time and see. So I'm sure it'll come up because I have heard that from so many people, um, you know, mm-hmm. that that's a common thing. It's just like, Hey, and you know, I've even had friends that I know that have gone to therapists and they meet with them and they're like, Oh, I don't like her. I don't like him. You know, that's not going to work. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't you go back, you know, just maybe two, two more times, see how it works. And then over time I see that they get more comfortable because it's going to take a while to warm up to somebody, especially somebody who you're telling all your problems to and somebody who's going to hold you accountable for your problems. Some people don't mm-hmm. like being held accountable. And so it's new for them. They've never had that. Um, and, you know, sometimes they look at it like, oh, I don't like my therapist when in reality, sometimes they don't like what they have to hear from their therapist. Um, mm-hmm. So I do know a lot of my therapist friends that try to ease things out because some people, you have to kind of also gauge the personality of your clients. Um, not all clients are ready to be held accountable so early on. Um, and so some of them take a little bit of warming up and rapport building before you can get to that point. So I think it's important to kind of gauge that with your clients as well. Yes, it, it's, it is, you know, bi-directional, right? Clients are seeking to see if they can work with you and if it's a good fit. But the therapist uh, and coach should also be checking to see if the client is somebody that they can work with and, and help. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So Destiny, you know, we talked about, you know, your background, we talked about uh, your practice and we talked about your future endeavor with wanting to launch your own private practice, which is exciting. Mm -hmm. Um, And you've shared some amazing tips with how folks can go about seeking a therapist, as well as how you work with your clients. Is there anything that you would like to share as a last thought or word with the audience? Uh, so I would just like to share that it's nothing wrong with getting mental health help. And, you know, that over the past year with COVID, I have seen like such a huge shift and even the stigma of getting mental health services like it's 
you know, the stigma, I'm not going to say it's disappeared, but it's so much more common and normal now to hear somebody say, hey, I have a therapist. It's not something that people are hiding anymore. Um, and so I would just encourage people, if you feel like you need the help, if you feel like, you know, you need somebody that you can talk to confidentially, non-judgmental, um, somebody to help you through your issues and problems, there's, there's nothing wrong with seeking a therapist. And so to seek the help that you need. Yes, that is a great final thought. Like you mentioned, COVID has brought to light and created more awareness around mental health and starting to destabilize that stigma that it's a bad thing. Uh, and like you said, it's becoming more common that folks are sharing more about that and seeking uh, professional help. So great to put that out there. Thank you. I want to thank you for being with me today for uh, spending time talking about your field of expertise and educating the audience. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, and thank you for even just having a platform that promotes mental health and mental wellness. So I appreciate you for having me on. You're welcome. I have been glad to have you here with me today. And, you know, as usual, everyone, we're going to post all the information in the YouTube details and podcast details for how to connect with Destiny, learn more about her and her services. Lastly, as I always say, preparation, accountability, execution, and resolve are keys to your success. Until next time. So as you know by now, we're all about informing and empowering women. Well, now there's the addition of the She Is Fab shop where there is empowered fashion, printables, journals, mugs, and face masks. Check it out at www.sheisfab.net. That way you can purchase something for the lady, woman, or girl in your life. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.